You're at the Fargo County, which is literally campsite. Um, we're in the middle of something, and then, and then, bam! Wow, watch out! Here comes something totally random. Oh, just around the corner. A long word that makes no sense. A portmanteau word is what they call it. And he wishes so that he could have made up the word portmanteau because it is the near perfect word, but alas, especially after Joyce, he knows he is just another psychonaut on the way to perspicuity. Ah, come on, man, you say perspicuity, really? And then you laugh and you go on your way and say, Mommy, did you see? He said perspicuity and you got your brownie points. And so you're all over a cheeseburger or something and all that. But anyway, um, the moral of the story is this. The F-Kill seed litter is some of the finest. See, I'm trying to illustrate it to you. Writing, per se, in the world today. The FKLC is proud to present a whole plethora of writing plethorianations that will tan your hide. Find out more. For fourteen ninety five, you too can make all the difference in the world. Support the Fargo Kantowitz's Literary Campsites Fund for cool words that will never, ever matter to anyone or something like that. God. Moriborium. Thesophiliata. Mm-hmm. Romnoplithan. Linkgoria. Francisco. Blumdrums, Blortworths, Pleostats, Flippinicular Conduct, Scriptacularity Quotient, Plork, Freems, Grill Bars, Blanc Check Willy, Plorscorpionis, Snord Factor, Mommy Poo Poo, Bweeb, Brernstrers, Florms.
You may have caught the old traffic show the other day back at the KGPAs. Where we were, we were at the Fargo Kanchowitz's Literary Campsite that day in traffic. I once saw traffic, actually, at the Silver Bowl in Las Vegas back in the 90s. One of the better shows I've ever seen, I might add. So I was proud to play with traffic. He watched the flight of the bird in his dream. The bird tilted and floated directly over the mountain until suddenly it stopped. There was no more fluid movement. The clouds froze and far below was the top of the mountain, which slowly began to rise higher and higher and higher because the bird had gone into a free fall. Bernard kicked at his blankets, tried to make the bird flap its wings, but it would not. It would only fall as the mountain rose and rose and rose. And Bernard's heart beat faster and faster till it sped up everything like lightning and the bird was falling past his eyes and down and the mountain rose and rose and instantly, suddenly, the bird fell through a strand of green scrub and hit the compacted dirt and rock of the mountain with a sound that sounded like a ball entering a baseball glove. The bird landed dead next to a tiny nest filled with baby birds who in unison screamed up at Bernard with a single voice so loud that Bernard opened up his eyes wide and let out a shriek of horror so intense that it could not escape his mouth. And the only sound in the room that you could hear during the height of the most horrible moment of his life was the sound of the ticking of the clock, which read 3.34 in the morning. Bernard flew out of bed and began to run around his room wildly. He then placed his hand upon his cheek and pushed himself in circles until he fell back onto the bed. His parakeets flitted around the cage and Bernard grabbed the cage and placed his face up, up against it, uttering, baby birds, baby birds, baby birds, baby birds, baby birds, baby birds. He wheeled round again and the thing that had him would not let him go. He shuffled crazily around the room for his pants took off his pajama bottoms, left the top on, put them on. He then found his Velcro strap tennis shoes, put them on without socks, and went to the door and opened it wide when he suddenly stopped and decided he would not go to his father for help this time. He realized he hadn't intended to, for why would he have put on his clothes? He peeked around the corner of his door and looked down the hallway where his father's room was. A gray light was emanating, and he listened momentarily to the soft murmurings of a television set. He moved quietly in the opposite direction, unlocked the front door, and slipped out into the cool early morning air and ran.
You were at the Fargo Cantrell's Literary Campsite where not very campsite today. We don't really know what that means either, but that makes sense here at the Fargo Cantrell's Literary Campsite.
eye as if there were an eye view from here to there, as if either were remarkable, and see with no eyes, feel with no heart, having described the only human possibility from my description, the term soul, to my essence. I live, I do, I. The brushing of me against a you proving only being, but not existence. Another way to make real I is to compare myself to a breeze. That too cannot be seen. True utterances, all, are unlettered. So this arrival to you in letters feels to you, not I, like an ever-tightening vice. You feel, but do not understand that which you feel part of you, which is me. Embodiment? No, never. Except for those places where I cannot help but rest. I am clear breeze, oxygen. I rest within those who do not know me with their minds, whose bodies float into the earth, whose heart's blood fertilizes the ground, who alone Wait at the doorway of all that I am, and all which I am connected to. I cannot want but what is. I cannot wish for anything, but I do love, albeit without possession. I do so here in this place I find that I am. It is the spirit of God, your frail term. He gives these words. I have no words, have never spoken but this once but more aptly, bathe in places in need of life. I am not God. I have no face, but I am. You know me, have known me. Wherever there is need, I am. I do not interfere with flesh, or the flesh I affect, not like you comprehend. I am armless, faceless, a manifestation of nothing physical, but I'm completely relational, uncompromising my simple, essential ability to be I.
Am. It is the Spirit of God, your frail term, that gives these words. You're at the Fargo Cantor, which is every literary campsite, everybody. So here we go. Cannot explain why I am. Although this does not mean there is not an explanation, it is better known than thought. You will know me through life. You will believe you can see me through the eye of another. I cannot deny that you'll see my effect, but you'll not see me. I'm not in, in the way that you might believe. Your eyes, your mind cannot comprehend the power of the moment in between moments, which I, I inhabit. Have you ever wondered about the moment when you look away from your past and what feels like what is turned spirit is almost dead? This is such a moment of forgetting of oneself. No parent's eyes upon you. No blinding light, shining, saving rays, cloud-hidden moonlight, mud, an eyelid slipping downward while the other steals itself toward a hope, a sign not yet given. There I am. I do not need to be there, nor want to be. There is no other reason that I am there, but that I am. What reason? What is known then is magical. A galaxy glued, a lion laying with a lamb. What earthly movement present then of an earthly design? Mysterious, because unplanned. Creatures know I am there, and when I am there, they know that I come because what I come for may come with me. I am, I do not want. 
I do not want a soul to accompany me. I do not want a soul to accompany. There is no me, but an even higher essence to go to. I am with. When I am with, the world knows my purpose. So I will explain my place now. I am inside of a creature that has fallen into a river. On its right ankle is a five-inch cut. I was inclined to say my. On this creature's side, this creature, being a brown mule, there's a long cut three inches deep. Its legs are struggling to get a grip upon a tree in which it is entangled. Water washes over its eye, which makes the world seem all sky. Sees the tops of trees as it fights to keep its head above the water. It releases the tree and falls back into the water. The stream takes it. I stand above it as it goes. I am in a place of peace and knowledge. I am poised to release the momentary bonds of I am in relation to this earthly creature. Through it, I inhabit the earth. I rise and fall, burrow through, deny. I am within the magic, the child's word for the ultimate workings of my essence within the physical world. Yet I touch nothing. I do nothing. I am with. When eyes close, I stand at the portal and ask the final question. The question is silent, never once spoken of. It is simply put when only a single word is used to describe it. Love.
Love is the seed, the proof of a pure heart. I will help return to the workings of the magic any speck of it where I discover that I am inside. As this creature floated down the stream, I became the light behind the filmy eye left open, and I blind even the notion that any hope yet exists. And then the magic. It is the most physical that I can become, although I am not physical. I release myself to the workings of God, and in so doing become the creature, its benefactor, its voice to the weight of the crushing world. I carry until earth demands flesh. I do not do. I am. One day I smiled. This image of me, I believe all will understand. The creature had a secret friend. It is called a chipmunk. I saw it all. The mule went into the woods of the mountain with the chipmunk. The chipmunk leading the way up the mountain and the mule lumbering slowly behind. Although the mule was the creature with the destination, the home, high above the base of his mountain. But the chipmunk was wayward, unintelligent, 
Its foolhardiness in selecting paths caused the wayward beetle to lose its footing, ending with the river's freeze. The mule washed upon a shore. Its nose breathed the mud of the shore. Its blood reddened the stones of the shore. I was small, disappearing, but ever looking forward with the mule. I was expanding, reuniting with what can be explained to you as limitless space, knowledge without knowing, feeling without feeling, being with no essence. I was going back when I smiled and knew it was not to be. A hawk sat perched in front of my sight. I could tell what it was was and why it was sent. Hawk was brother to the mule, having shared a home and a house at the top of the mountain. The hawk had found the mule and was now simply waiting. The mule struggled furiously to stand. It could not. It lay there breathing heavily into the mud, its legs bloodying further in every attempt to rise. On the rising of a new sun, the breath of the animal had become calmer. Another sun, and then another moon, and then another sun, and then another moon, until the chipmunk arrived, and with the utmost care took to finding tiny foods for the mule, all in front of the watching eyes of a deadly enemy. The fearless chipmunk placed a kernel upon the lip of the mule, and it would inhale. This continued for two more suns and two more moons. The hawk stayed in place, occasionally flying away and returning with a small creature of its own on which it fed. It watched. It was almost a new sun, and the mule felt the possibility of my great strength. With mighty bursts of thought, it raised itself to its knees and then its legs. Its eyes then dependent upon the eyes of the hawk before it. Then, for the first time, other than for reasons of self-sustenance, the hawk moved away, flew several feet so that the mule turned. It then flew again. The mule's legs moved very slowly toward the hawk. The chipmunk followed. Three times Chipmunk distracted the mule into believing there was a better path to follow, but the hawk, its hunter instincts negated with this particular small animal, swooped down upon it, sending it scurrying away. The Chipmunk, keenly aware of the predator, still would not leave the mule, but stayed with it, behind it, beside it, preferring to be within this new journey along the brush and crevices. I am strongest within the notion of what you can conceive of as the properties inherent within a smile, a term which I used to describe the sudden illumination of hope of sustained love felt by the mule. I riddled the human terms for the essence of life. There were 22 more moons and 21 more suns before the mule arrived home. When it arrived, it looked into the eyes of a family, including the eyes of a young one with the same world sense, love sense that Annabelle had pass.
Love